Hello, welcome to another episode of the Motor City Metrics Podcast here. I'm Rola Heli Castillo. Alongside me is Duper Chris Brown will be joining us momentarily. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, and over on X at MCM Baseball Pod. And we're now part of the Believe Network, so please make sure that you leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. It really goes a long way. And, of course, every episode we'll put the donation link in there as we start trying to spring up for spring training. So that's something that's going to be coming up, and we'll we'll get more specific about that for the Tiger Mining Report. As uh, Chris and I are going to be gearing up to do a podcast, we're actually going to be talking to Brandon Day. I'm actually talking to Brandon Day tomorrow, so he's going to be more involved in that. So also, please check out our friends over at Bleachers to Speakers on our YouTube channel. As they will, they're live every Monday night at 6.30 as they go into they, – they do a post-game line show. Those guys do a fantastic job, so I need to plug those guys more often. And, yeah, please do that. And also, let's just get this out of the way, too. We're brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online. The holiday season's off and rolling with the NFL in full stride and the NBA and NHL hitting their midseason form. Bet Online is your number one destination for all sports wagering with up to the minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Bet Online is your top spot for everything pro and amateur sports. And it's not just the big four. Bet Online has information available at your fingertips <clears> with both, both a dis- desktop and mobile access for any time at any sport that is played. From MMA to La Liga or Premier League, it has you covered. So bet online, head to bet online today. Remember to use our promo code Believe B L E A V for your fifty percent off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, promo code Believe B L E A V for your fifty percent off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Okay, so we got the logistics out of the way. Chris, uh, All right. very, yeah, look very. Uh, Menacing back. That's a menacing background. Back no, 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 it's good. No, no, it's good. It's good. It's good. Hold on, let me see. Real quick. It's very foreboding. Yeah, it's very foreboding. <laughs> Maybe it's uh, that's uh, perhaps a there we go. An omen because the tigers, the tigers didn't do anything during the winter meetings, but we'll get to that. Uh, plenty to get to though. So there was a lot of activity towards the last couple days for other teams. And we'll go over the transition trans action list. Chris Russo sent some jackass stuff, and I'll get to that a little bit later. But let's start with what the Tigers did not do. The Tigers did not draft a rule five, did not participate in the rule five draft. They picked up a pair of minor league pitchers in the minor league portion of the rule five draft and been working on some video cutting up one from Oakland and the other was from the Rangers. And so that was really about it in terms of the Tigers activity. The uh, AJ Hinch signing an extension, which he kind of gave a prelude to. And we talked about this the other day yeah. when he was talking about having a thousand victories. So that was a positive sign. Scott Harris was on MLB Network. Didn't really say a whole lot, but also I just forgot to mention this too. Tomorrow afternoon, Chris and I will be talking to Chris McCoskey of the Detroit News. That's going to be a bonus episode thing because Chris couldn't make it this evening. So we're going to record it and you, if you can come along, great. Just wanted to give you a heads up. So show prep on the fly, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so the Tigers were going to look quiet, but then Tiger fans were not so quiet about the signing of Eduardo Rodriguez, who signed a four year, $80 million deal with the Arizona Diamondbacks. 
And the biggest thing was that he went to the West Coast. Arizona is not on the West Coast. It is a southwestern state. Let me reiterate that again for you geography people out there. It is a southwestern state. Gentlemen? Um, well, I mean, yeah, like uh, we can get into the Erod stuff in a little bit. I think uh, it was a very anticlimactic winter meetings in, in every regard. The Tigers didn't move up in the lottery. We weren't expecting them to, but, uh, you know, the, the Nationals uh, actually won the lottery but couldn't pick first, so they got stuck with 10th, which is, is a real bummer. And then you got Cleveland picking basically the next pick after that, winning it, uh, which is, I'm sure, exciting for those fans down in Cleveland. But, yeah, so there's nothing nothing doing there. Tigers are going to pick 11th. And, then, yeah, I thought they might take somebody in the Rule 5. I talked about R.J. Dabovich, uh as a guy, uh, you know, reliever. But, uh, yeah, it, the only 10 guys were taken in the, the big league portion of it, I think, which is among the smaller numbers in the last couple decades. And the speculation there is, is that, you know, it was considered kind of a weak crop and, and largely because of the five round 2020 draft, there just weren't many players to pick from. Um, so, yeah. And then, uh, as you said, you know, the Tigers didn't sign anybody, but honestly, you know, there really wasn't much movement at all until like 11 o'clock last night when three things happened. Um, before that, it was basically what, like Craig Kimbrell signed with the Orioles for one year and, and an option for a second. Eric Fetty. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. The White Sox got Fetty, right? Yeah, yeah. they got him at uh, they got him a two year, fifteen million dollar contract. Yeah, so it it uh, yeah, it, it was generally just kind of a boring. You know, Otani didn't sign. We'll get into that in a little bit, and then uh, you know, kind of waiting, waiting on Otani, waiting on Yamamoto uh, to really set the market there, and then you know. The bats just haven't been there. They're, they they were never in this class, right? And Candelario was one of the the better bats, and him signing uh, was interesting. And I think it was a, a pretty good deal for both sides. Uh, you know, we've seen Candelario. There's a good chance that he can outperform that, particularly there in Cincinnati. I think we would he get three years and forty five million with an, an, a fourth year option. Yep. Uh, but he's also there's enough questions there. There are enough questions there with Candelario still. You know, is, is he can he play third base at an, at an average level? Is he going to play mostly first base? If he plays first base, is he going to give you enough power? Stuff like that. But I don't know. I, I wouldn't have picked the Reds for Candelario. But, uh, you know, now, you, you know, they went and got a, a solid veteran bat, and I'm sure that will help them. Well, he's insurance, too, in case any of their youngsters struggle in year two. You know, those guys they had up. I mean, they're, they don't call a sophomore slump for nothing, right? That, that can't happen. Yeah. Now you got Candelario there. Really happy for him. I thought that was a really nice contract for him because a player at his level, I mean, that's that's kind of the career contract. I mean, this is a, his big year to be out there. Uh, it was a year where there's not many other hitters. So uh, if he was going to score a deal, this was kind of the environment for him. Um, and to get three years, $45 million, that's, that's you know, again, kind of toward the bottom end of, oh, wow, signings in Major League Baseball in terms of a number. But for him personally, I mean, that's life-changing numbers, uh, life-changing money. So. Kind of happy for him. I always like that guy. Yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty happy for him as well. He yeah. can play both first and third, and that helps out Cincinnati quite a bit, especially because they do have a relatively young left side of the infield too. And that brings up that, and Evan Petzold of the Free Press mentioned this, and I thought it was a really good point. 
that makes the Reds an ideal partner for the Tigers, if so be it, because the Tigers, do, the Reds do still need some pitching. There was talk about them. They did sign Nick Martinez uh, back at the la- in the last day of November for, I think, two-year deal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And and, uh, and Pagan, a reliever? Did they get, was it Emilio Pagan? Did they sign him? They signed a reliever for two years. I, I think so. I'm not 100% about that. But according to Stan in the chat, he said, that Ken Rosenthal reported that Candelario will take third base, and the previous third baseman will go out to the outfield in Cincy. So, makes Such a lot a of sense. Here, yeah, yeah. And of course, the John Jonathan India trade stuff started up with Tiger fans, what have you. But I, you know, I mean, yeah. We but, discussed that a few months back with with trading him for for Matt Manning, and it was just kind of trading one underwhelming player for another. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's among he he could be the odd man out. I, I don't think you know Christian Encarnacion Strand is kind of a first base DH type. They got Noel V Marte. They got Ellie De La Cruz. So they they do have a bunch of uh, interesting players. But I think they could probably make it work without having to trade any of those guys. Um, they may do it anyway just to get a frontline starter, maybe get a Dylan Cease or something like that. But uh, no, I and the other. And, and not to skip too much, but I keep thinking about, you know, when the Padres, they traded away Juan Soto and Trent Grisham. Those were two of their four or two of their three regular outfielders last year. Like their fourth outfielder last year was Jose Azucar. Uh, and and that was two of their three, like, left-handed bats. So I don't know how the deal would work, but the Tigers have kind of uh, a, a few left-handed outfielders that they, they might be able to, to find a deal with San Diego if they wanted to, a Carpenter, Badu, depending on how big of a deal you want to make, even Parker Meadows. Like if you want to make something happen, San Diego seems like a, a decent trade partner, but who knows, maybe they'll go out and sign uh, some left-handed outfielders and it won't matter. Yeah, there's a – it's interesting, too, because well, the Yankees acquired Soto in exchange for between the – Michael King – so the – between the Red Sox trade, which they traded for Alex uh, Rodrigo, um, Rodrigo, uh, yeah. yep, in Boston, and so they gave up three pitchers there, and then they gave up Michael King, Johnny Brito, Randy Vasquez, and Drew Tharp. And so they gave up quite a bit of pitching. And reading what some people were saying, the Yankees still have plenty of depth to overcome that, which I'm kind of shocked by that because they gave up quite a bit of pitching. To, Shore up that outfield that definitely needed it. And by the way, Bloodright, thank you for the ten dollars. And he's in Cabal. So Kabul. Kabul. I'm not sure. Kabul. Sorry, Kabul. I'm not sure if that's true. I don't know. I think it's probably nine in the morning, eight in the morning in Kabul. I don't know. But uh wherever you are, Bloodright, thank you and thanks for watching. All right. Exquisite. So yeah, if you yeah, that's uh, look at you, Chris. That's another. There's a drinking game where Chris mentions geography. So there. <laughs> it's six forty one a.m. in Kabul. Six forty one a.m. Okay. Now he's got the morning watch over there. Yeah. So then, of course, the continue on with some of the other moves that we just talked about the Jared Kalanick trade, which was strange. Then, because then uh, left-hander Marco Gonzalez, who went over, then got traded to Pittsburgh. After that, they get the Braves get Jared Kelenic and Evan White in exchange for Jackson Huar and Cole Phillips. I'm not, and it was, and then you find out it was a salary dump. That's basically what it was. Yeah, yeah. There were some some unfortunate reports coming out of Seattle that that uh, relating to 
the the TV deal that was causing Seattle maybe some some issues. Um, I don't know, man. I, I was kind of optimistic that they were trying to shed a little bit of money to try to go out and, and sign guys. And maybe they still will, but maybe they had to do that. To, maybe they couldn't add any salary, uh, which sucks. And, and it feels like that may be coming for several teams this year. Yeah, and so that's something to consider. Maybe that's, that's why would perhaps the lack of activity. But then, you know, you, you see the – well, this is the part here that there's two sides to every coin on this. But I present to you, ladies and gentlemen, one Mr. Chris Russo, who is a common – we've had it we've – him, we've had him on our board. That to me. Say that to anybody. Say it to somebody. Dead, dead. This is the garbage you get me. And I'm going to present to you what he said the other day regarding the Shoni Otani. And I, Chris, Chris and I had a discussion about this, but I'm interested to hear what the fans have to say. But uh, here's part one of this rant. The fact that we're even discussing this is a complete joke. This Otani scenario sweepstakes. You know, do you know when he won the MVP? He wouldn't even tell you what his dog's name was. Because he had his dog there when he won the American League MVP. Anybody who pays Otani $600 million needs their heads examined anyway. He's not going to pitch next year. He's a DH. And let me tell me this with Otani. How many times were the Angels in a pennant race in the middle of uh, September? They won 73 games last year. He missed the last 25 games, cleared out his locker room, did not even tell you what's going on, and left the team. So anybody who goes out there and gives him $600 million needs their freaking head examined. Let's get that off the, let's get that going here first. And what is the big secret? Geez, he's a free agent. He's talked to six teams. Giants, he was in Dunedin with the Blue Jays. Obviously, Roberts does that. I mean, the Cubs are in the mix. The Angels. Well, what, is, what is this, the atomic bomb? <laughs> okay, so that's the first part of that. And I just found so first and foremost, I, I added the graphics. First and foremost, if you're you're that upset that he didn't mention his dog name, why do you care? Why do you why do you care? I mean, I understand why Chris Russo does what he does. The drive engagement. I get it. But I'm just again, and that, but the, the atomic bomb thing. You realize there was an atomic bomb that was dropped in Japan. Yeah. Ugh. Unbelievable. Uh, it would be interesting, number one, to find out what demographic they think Chris Russo is bringing in. You know, I mean, uh, I, what focus group I says, can, yeah, more of that? <laughs> I can tell you, uh, my friend's 72-year-old dad, like, saw him for the first time a couple of years ago. I was like, hey, I like that guy a lot. He says it, he tells it like it is. I'm like, okay. All right, there you go. Um, here's the thing, though. Like, I, obviously, that's a ridiculous uh, rant, and and Shohei Otani is worth however many hundreds of millions of dollars you can give him, I mean, not just in in on the field and off the field, right? Uh, off the field, but I, will, I do agree with him slightly that that the, the weird secrecy and uh, like all free agency has some secrecy to it, but like the talk about like, hey, if, if anything leaks. Uh, that team's going to be punished for it or not considered. It's like, that's that's all very silly to me. Like, I understand that maybe there's some sort of weird cultural difference about honor or whatever, not offending people. But still, like, you're a professional athlete. You're, like, the most famous athlete in the world. Uh, play this up. It's baseball. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, speak, LeBron speak, James had a TV show for his. Yeah. And Shohei Otani's, like, hiding. It, it's, it's just the difference between the sports, but it, it's kind of annoying to me. 
Yeah, this is the second part of that, too, where he mentions this. Away at the news at the winter meetings, where he's required to talk to the media. They ask him a question, Roberts gives him the right answer, and then the GM throws him out, throws him out by himself. That's a joke. This whole tiny thing is the biggest waste of time I've ever seen in my life. If you go spend $600 million for this guy, you need your head examined. He has never played a big game in September, and the Angels stink. One player doesn't win. And the idea that we have to treat this as, as, as the peace talks in Tehran in World War II is ridiculous. It tries when, when Stalin and Roosevelt and Churchill got together. It drives me absolutely crazy. Look, all right. That part, I, okay, I agree with you, Chris. Yes, that is, all that is silly. That is very silly, and you, I'll get your. I want to get your thoughts on this in a second. I get that this whole entire scenario of what he's doing is weird and strange, but come on, he's not. He had a ten war season. A ten war season. Is it Otani's fault that the Angels stink? No, but you don't have Otani. That team is not watchable. That team is under is. I posted the injury list on there for a reason. That team sucks without him. So what do you got to look forward to? Michael, Mike Trout beat up and bruised up? This guy's doing this. I mean, I don't believe I have to say this, but a 10-war season, he hit 300, hit 400, or excuse me, 44 home runs, had an OPS plus of 184. And also, oh, I don't know, before he got shut down for pitching-wise, I mean, he was – it just – it blows my mind. You look at his numbers pitching-wise. He was 10-5 before his arm injury with an ERA of 3.14. He had a he had a FIP of 4, granted. And he was starting to struggle a little bit, but it was injured. He had 167 strikeouts at 132 innings pitched. And he had 44 home runs. Shut Duh. up. You, you are so out of touch. What kind of dumbass thing is that to say? He's not worth $600 million. Enough with the value. Why do you care? It's not your damn money. I mean, the secrecy stuff. I, I again, yes, this is all weird. But what he's doing and what Otani do, has done has not been done since Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth. Hey, Babe Ruth and he played against it. and he played like against what eight teams and he's doing this against all the teams in baseball. The- get the get the bleep out of here, man. Like, oh god, just and I imagine. You're looking at, uh, um, God, Stephen A. Smith just there going, and he had to sit there. I I know, Larry. I, I call me. I'm I'm calm down. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry, but I don't. I'm. It's been a hell of a month around here. Okay, so I apologize. There's good news. You know, my wife doesn't have cancer, so that's great. I'm I'm excited about that. There's a lot of great stuff, but I I just I I don't understand. How does this jackass get a effing job because of his past in New York? And I can't get one freelance effing effing gig out there. Bleeped, dude. Go yeah. ahead. Well, I mean, yeah, there's a bunch to talk about there. I, I think you touched on it. The, the most absurd part of the argument, of a, you know, nested in layers, like a blooming onion of absurd arguments, is, uh, you know, he hasn't played a big game in his, you know, in, oh, in, in his life. Um do you guys want to remind me uh, who pitched the final inning of the World Baseball Classic uh, last year? This year, I believe it was a two, a three to two game. 
the biggest. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, Mr. Sure, Otani struck yeah. it. He struck out uh, Mike Trout to end the end the the game. He's pitched in plenty of big games. Uh, you know, the age, it's not his fault. The Angels suck, as Rod said. You know, they've we we've talked many times about Artie Moreno and the and the morass over there. Um, so and 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 you just thinking about it, you know, like Joey Otani. I think we may have touched on it. May have had the single greatest day any baseball player has ever had this year in Detroit. Yep. When he what it was a a one hit shutout, I think, and then came and hit two home runs in the next game and, and a doubleheader. Um, everybody knows he's very good. So what happens is you go against that and people talk about it. That's just the way it works. Yeah, and it's always so mind numbing to people want to save the owner's money, right? I mean, whose pocket should money go into Shohei Otani or, uh, you know, some guy who owns the Dodgers. Give me a break. Uh, Otani will probably justify any contract he gets. And there's going to be so much outside money coming, especially through Japan. Uh, it, it will pay for itself very likely. I do wonder with his arm issues, if someone could be, and if they would be open to it, I don't know. Could you pay him a flat rate, let's say $40 million a year to be a hitter, right? And can they pay him whatever, $750,000 every time he takes the mound for a start? You know, would that be a, a fair contract for a team? I don't know if that's doable. It might be pie in the sky thinking. Um, but I, I do worry, you know, this is the second big arm issue since he came over. Um, and he's turning 30. I do wonder where his pitching goes. I think he's always, I think he's going to be a good hitter for a long time. He's an incredible base runner. I don't think that's going to stop for several years. He's going to be worth a lot of money, but I just wonder if you could put some incentives on the pitching. Sometimes just certain things have a calming effect over you and you per your rationale thinking and some of the visuals that I've seen help out with that calming effect. And you're right. I mean, it is, you think about it from the, I like to call it the Tampa Bay rule of when your pitcher approaches 30, that you don't touch them or you trade them or what, what have you. So I understand on that part where he might not be worth the $600 million and that, and that aspect alone, but the bat is real. Yep. And if he doesn't pitch, I mean, you're going to sit there and tell me he's an over glorified DH. He can play first base. He's athletic enough. Or whatever the case is, but well, when he was in Japan, sorry to interrupt. When he was in Japan, he was thought of as a plus outfielder, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah he's I one. Mean, of, he's he's incredibly fast too. That's one thing that I think he had 15, 16 steals when he on an injured list. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it's you're still talking about arm stuff there, but yeah, if he if he had to stop pitching, he would probably be no worse than average in right field while still hitting. Who knows? He might hit fifty home runs. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, he was on pace for 50 this year, right? So, yeah, yeah, just just a remarkable player. He deserves every cent that he's going to get. So does Juan Soto. Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess just yelling and screaming about it is never going to get old, right? Ty Cobb used to yell about the young players getting too much money. It's basically an old man yelling at Cloud. And the reason why I get so fired up about it is because I'm just sick of seeing it. I'm sick of seeing it because I, I just, yeah, admittedly, it's a lot of frustration on my part what I just, my rant, but at the same time as a fan, but I, even as a writer for a moment, let me, you know, let me take off my fan hat here 
And let me put on, you know, I don't have a writer. I don't have a writer's hat because you, know. you need a fedora. I do have. Wait, a, wait, you wait, know what? Wait, wait, I do have a writer's hat. Hang on. Hold on. Wait. All right. I think that was an M logo. He should have just put it upside down. It would have been a W. There you go. Uh, okay, there you go. That's yeah, very that's... writery. Yes. Extra, yes. extra. Yeah, I have my newsboy hat here. My newsboy writer hat for a moment. And look at it in perspective of what he's been able to do internationally for the game. And that is huge. Baseball needs superstars. People know Otani. Otani, just say Otani. They know it. And that's a one. It's a name. It's a name that does synonymous with awesomeness and what he's able to do so as a writer you have to appreciate that because in a game in a sport that sometimes is struggling with popularity you ha- i mean what he did is incredible and to sit there and tell me that he's not worth that it's like it, you're out of touch man and i just I, I don't get it i don't get russo it is what it is i mean he is i mean he he just says a lot of Dead, dead. This is the garbage you give me. Yeah. All right. <laughs> oh, all right. Um, but I do want to, yeah. And, and you know what, though? In the Otani, in Stan, I agree with Stan here that he's a better deal of Soto because Soto is a rental the Yankees had to give up five players for. But there might be a good chance that the Yankees will do everything they can to extend him. But again, it is phenomenal that this guy, not even arbitration eligible, has been. This is his third team. Yeah. So. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, years old, and there's every chance he's on a fourth team next year. I mean, he may not resign. Yeah. He, probably, You know, the Yankees will make a great effort for it, I'm sure. But he could easily be on his fourth team before he's 26 years old. Sorry about that, Stan. I mean, we're, I'm, <laughs> I, yeah, I meant, no, I meant no offense to, excuse me, pardon me. Let me rephrase that. Guys that like are on him on TV who are out of touch. Stan, you're not in touch. Or excuse me, Stan, you are in touch. You're you're a fan. You know, you're, you're in touch. the Hall of Notes lawsuits crazy. No, but no, uh, Stan, I give you a lot of respect because at least you keep up with it, and you be objective. Russo just does things to we call him Mad Dog, and it's just he he wishes for days of when I don't know when Don Manley was the batting champ every year. I I don't know. I don't know, and I just don't care. So sorry, Stan. No offense, but that. Dan Fernandez with a nice comment here. Feels like a symptom of the fact that nothing's going on. The entire week was Juan Soto, and why can't we talk about Otani? You know, and he's right, yeah. I, Dan. That's that's spot on. I like that. That's a that's a good there. So. I mean, there's plenty of people talking about Otani. It's just that the, the teams wouldn't. I don't know. It, it's weird because teams don't usually come out and tell you who they're talking to. It's just the reporters, uh, you know, dig it up a little bit more, and and they were trying to dig it up this time and then teams were not were being really cagey about it and it just i don't know it it it, it felt silly to me but that it should be over i think in the next week he's going to sign somewhere you know the winter means it's just so different than how it used to be right i mean uh when i was younger you would get maybe uh some reporter give a little recap on sports center at night uh you might hear a snippet on the radio in the morning and then you'd get your evening newspaper and read about what happened you know it, it was so much harder. Now they need to try to fill all this time and all these uh, online sites and everybody refreshing Twitter every, you know, four minutes or less. Um, and so when, when there's such a paucity of action like this week, it, it just seemed like a, a, 
a desert, you know, and you're stuck in the desert with no water. Um, so where in the old days, even this kind of a meetings that they had, you know, they could have parsed out the information enough to make it, you know, at least sound interesting, like stuff was happening. But also, you know, big trades used to happen at the, you know, I think back to the, uh, the Alomar trade uh, with between Toronto and, and San Diego that just lit up the, the uh, winter meetings on the first night. And then that whole week was nothing but signings and deals. And it was like fireworks going off. And we certainly didn't have that. Yeah. And there's, there's ideas about jazzing up the winter games or excuse me, the winter meetings. And there was some, some good calls there that they want to do. And eventually maybe I, I think will happen, but let's get to the Erod situation. Cause it is the elephant in the room. So as I mentioned on the top of the show, he signed a four-year deal worth $80 million with the Diamondbacks, and he got, I believe, 21 – what was the exact money he got more than he got in Detroit? Was it $21 million more? 31. Uh, 31. 31. Yeah, so four, – Four for 80, and if he throws 150 innings in that fourth year, I think he automatically triggers uh, another 100 or another $20 million. So it could be 500 And nice. – so Chris Castanelli of Barstool Sports wrote a blog about trading. He was going to the West Coast to pitch for the Diamondbacks. And he also mentioned in his video he doesn't care about his family. Like, uh, mentioned something about his family. I'm not going to – you want to look it up on Twitter or on Google, whatever the case is, you can look it up yourself. I did agree with the fact that there was a lot of pearl clutching when it comes to fans saying things about his family and, and um, just kind of – but in reality, I don't think the people stick it up for it. But I really think fans, there's a lot of betrayal here and fans feel betrayed because of what he did. But I look at it this way. The man wanted to get paid and the Tigers weren't willing to pay him. I mean, it, 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 go ahead, Chris. Well, I mean, that's all it ever was. Yeah. So so what the thing that frustrates me the most, and I'm sure if he went back and listened to us, we would probably we would probably speculated that he didn't want to go to the West Coast. But that's all that was. That's all it was ever was people speculating. He never said that. He never came out and said, I don't want to play on the West Coast. In fact, he came out and said it wasn't against the West Coast of the Dodgers. You can I, I retweeted Evan Petzold's. Evan was there, McCoskey was there. Erod gave a, a press not a press conference, but he spoke to the media after the trade deadline and said that specifically it wasn't about the West coast. It wasn't about the Dodgers. He wanted, he wanted the Dodgers to, to give him the contract he just got from Arizona and he wanted them to do it then. And he thought he could use that as leverage to get it. And, and people get as mad at him as they want to. He had a no trade clause. He, it was his right to do that. It was the GM and the president of baseball operations at the time who did not have a backup plan in place. If you want to get angry at somebody, Get angry at Scott Harris. I don't think you should probably get angry at anybody. I think it was a very unusual situation. I think Rodriguez gave everyone the 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 impression that he was going to approve that and then changed it up at the end. But it was within his rights. So it's weird how like this whole narrative developed. Like, oh, he didn't want to play on the West Coast. Never said that. That's just something we all invented together. And <laughs> and now we're upset about it uh, because he didn't. I, I don't know. It's 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 dumb to me. And I'm. Glad that hopefully this chapter is over. I don't know the next time the Tigers play the Diamondbacks. I'm sure people will go and boo him. Uh, but it's very, very silly. He pitched well when he was here. It was a strange tenure for sure. But uh, he he did his job when he was here. 
Uh, and, you know, the Tigers need to find a, a, a replacement because he was pretty damn good last year. He was at points. Yeah, I mean, he certainly had, you know, the, that uh, streak through May and before he had the thumb injury um, where he was untouchable. Uh, I've always been a little bit of the lower, the low man on, on Erod. Um, not my style of pitcher. Hurt a bit, missed a lot of the previous season. Wasn't the most reliable guy in the world, but still a good pitcher. And I'm not saying they won't miss him. Uh, but I think that he is replaceable. I think they certainly have the uh, money available to bring a replacement in. It should not be an issue if they intend to do it. They should be able to get it done. Um, in terms of the, you know, we talked about it before, and Chris just mentioned it. He had every right to do what he did. I agree with 100% that, is, that any blame is on the Tiger front office not having an alternative in place or just having that all their uh, eggs in that basket, if that's what was the case, to go to the Dodgers when he had the ability to nix the whole thing. So um, at the end of the day, they've lost out on a couple of prospects, or one anyway. Um, probably not the end of the world. Would have been nice, but uh, it's kind of a thing where you just move on from it now and really kind of concentrate on who's going to fill those innings. And there are guys out there available. Yeah, and that's where exactly it's how the Tigers address it from here. Now, if the Tigers go out and go bar like going through the bargain bin and get some project, then yeah, you can have every right to be pissed even more. But if, if they the go Tigers, to, if they yeah. go to Pelfrey Mart, yeah, they, Pelfrey Mart, yeah, <laughs> they go to Pmart, yeah, the, the I, Pelfrey, yeah, for Pelfrey Way. And I do. Go ahead. No, you go ahead, Reg. I was just gonna say. The, the thing is, too, enough about attacking him about his him taking his personal absence. I, I That's the thing that I don't understand about fans, about this. It is a, a game. It is a game. And you have literally no idea what somebody's doing with their personal life. I mean, it, it would be like somebody if I attacked a fan when, they have, when they're being a drunk idiot, whatever the case is. There, whatever he was going on, he didn't want to, he didn't handle it well. Re, I don't think he handled it well. There's parts of it that's fine. But enough of that. Let that go. That happened last year. It's enough. I and by the way, I didn't even know Mike Pelfrey was still pitching. Wow. I even no. somebody said he had he's not. Again. I think that's a oh, yeah, oh that's a, a joke. Nice Larry's one. having fun. Yeah, um, that's one. But there's there's options out there for pitching. It's now up to the Harris to see what he does. And if he doesn't fill the void with somebody of significance, say a lefty out of Japan that we are all we like, mm-hmm. or Yamamoto or whatever. I mean, Yamamoto, I don't, I think he's going to go to New York, either the Mets or the Yankees personally, or I think the Giants might have a strong case too. Whatever happens, it is what Harris does from here. That That is it. There's no if ands, or buts about it. Erod, he's going to a contender. The Diamondbacks were originally one of his part of his no trade clause, but they got to the World Series last year on a rotation that really was just very top, top heavy. So he goes to a, t- a team that did well. Kudos. Yeah, I think that's a good move for him. Uh, that's a good, an up-and-coming young team. Definitely need another starter, like, as you mentioned, behind Gallon. I mean, they did – I think they did a bullpen start in every series, didn't they, Yeah. Uh, this fall? So they certainly uh, – a guy like him, if he can stay healthy uh, in that ballpark, should be fine. 
Yeah, and, and so Larry asked a question. He said, "Is twenty million dollars the the going rate for a number four starter like Erod?" Um, I consider Erod more of a number three. Uh, no, number four starters are more like like Maeda, Kyle Gibson, who who they're getting twelve, thirteen million a year, basically. Uh, and and yeah, I think the number three cost three four starters are. We know last year, I think Jameson or uh, Jameson Tyon got four years and sixty eight million, I think, which is seventeen a year. Uh, Taiwan Walker got four and 76, I want to say. And Chris Bassett got three and 63. He was getting 21 million a year. And all those guys have not been as good as Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, at least by war, over the last three or four years. So I do think it's about the going right. I, I think there's a chance the Diamondbacks actually even got a, a bit of a bargain. Um, we'll see. I mean, it could look really ugly by the end of that contract, or he might, you know, he's not a guy who, uh, it, you know, depends on overpowering people. It's really more about location and, and movement, and, and guys like that can make it last for a little bit longer, but it's always iffy. You know, Dallas Keuchel was kind of a guy like that, and then the velocity dropped like two miles an hour, and that was it. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it was a, a solid deal for Arizona, and I good for Eduardo Rodriguez, and hopefully we don't have to talk about it ever again. Uh, <laughs> I'd rather not fun. talk about it anymore. Yeah. It's, it is what it is, and that it, that's it, but Please do your homework on geography. Arizona is a southwestern <laughs> state. Okay, it's true. Every map say, says it. There's no nothing about a wet coast. The coast means it's bordering water. Arizona well, is not bordered by water. Maybe once story. the big earthquake from and just because it's in the same happens. time zone doesn't mean it's a west coast area. I mean, I love Chris. But some of the other other people who were going off on rants, some of the stuff I, I on on Twitter or X, all whatever, based on a false premise, ridiculous. Stop it! But <laughs> I mean, I'm telling people to stop it. They're not going to stop anyways, obviously. But whatever. Like, it's just if you take a geography class, just do yourself a favor. Just do that. But uh, <laughs> I like what Dan said here, and here, and, and I think this could be the case too, because it makes a lot of sense. Somebody mentioned Dylan Cease. Mike Doyle mentioned it on the chat. I think what's going to happen is, depending on what happens in the next couple of days here, which I think we'll probably gonna see a couple of signings here, pitching wise with Yamamoto. Once that the smoke clears on that, then you're going to see where Dylan Cease will end up going, and we're I think that that they're just waiting for. Yeah, they they have to. I think they're just waiting to see what happens. But if the Tigers do not spend at least a significant, not to say it's. But I, as the dom, like Dan just said, he's right. One domino falls, the rest will will follow, and I think that's what's going to happen. We're going to see probably a fury of activity before before Christmas. Happy Hanukkah, by the way, for anybody that was celebrating Hanukkah started today. So Chinooka, Chinooka, Chinooka is a <laughs> Smokey Robinson. That's Smokey Robinson. <laughs> what is Chinooka? What is Chinooka? Um, yeah. Yes, Happy Hanukkah. Um, yeah, you know, I I, I get the sense. I get the sense overall that the Tigers are not interested in, in adding a free agent bat, uh, maybe via trade down the road. Yeah. But, but the bats that are out there are, are just not enticing whatsoever. Like there's nobody out there that, that is more exciting to me than Colt Keith. Right. Like uh, I think Colt Keith and you don't want to put too much on a rookie and who knows, they came out and said like, Oh, you know, we're, he's not guaranteed playing time, which is, they have to say that. Um if if we go into the season with like Ibanez and McKinstry and Veerling at second and third, that's uh, a, a problem. I, I don't, you know, but um, 
but yeah, like, but I do think that they're gonna, I do think that they're actively involved in the Imanaga. I think we all talked about that, you know, a bunch uh, a couple weeks ago, right? And and I think they might be involved in any like Jordan Montgomery maybe level pitcher, but probably not Snell. Uh, and then after that, if they don't get somebody like that, I, I think it is it's bargain bin time. They'll probably go get a Flaherty or a Sean Manaya or something like that and uh, call it a day. I do, and I think they'll go out and get a reliever too. Yeah. But I don't expect a ton of movement. Now, if they get those pitching, if get that pitching, then you might make that move where you trade a Manning or somebody for a bet. Like we talked before, Flores and Madden, some of the younger guys, Olsen, Gibson Long, they, they have some depth there where they could go out and, and possibly acquire a bet. But uh, yeah, I don't think they're just, I don't, don't think they're going to be terribly active overall. They are, I mean, Harris has mentioned it, Hinch has mentioned it, that the young players are going to get playing time in the spring, and they're going to, and the idea that young, Jace Young could start the year at third base is, he hasn't spent any time in AAA, and so right. I, if they, if if it's true to what Harris has said, which is Toledo is the next step before they get to the major leagues, then you're not going to see him till probably maybe middle of the season, if he does, if he does well or not, we don't know. So, I think in in Stan asked this question at the beginning of the podcast. Who would the Tigers rather sign an old established free agent or second third base blocking Colt Keith and and Chase Young? I think Colt Keith has a good chance to. If they're gonna, if you have a buying is still there as an option at second base, yeah, Colt Keith, he could make the potentially make the roster opening day. He has a good possibility. And as much as I don't want to agree with old BK here about Matt Verling being the third baseman, that's probably what's going to happen. But unless they can pull a trade and somehow get Joey Ortiz from Baltimore, which I, I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but or something along those lines. But as far as the free agent market goes, I'd rather them not get a veteran because, I mean, Matt Chapman, we talked about this a couple days ago. I don't think Matt Chapman's you're going to spend that kind of money on Matt Chapman because it's just it's too much of a liability. So why not? If you're gonna have a place, if you're, if you're gonna trade for a bat, they're gonna trade on somebody who has some right-handed power. I still think this team needs right-handed power. I still think that there's a, a lack of that. And even you know, Codify posted this earlier that the Tigers, according to the Fangraphs, has the seventh best outfield projection in 2024. That's great, but you can't if you don't hit. It doesn't matter. I mean, the the Kiel Badu in New York stuff is now gone because New York is now has dressed their outfield with one swift blow. Badu to San Diego. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, there we go. Go you know, so. go get uh, Adam. It was it Mazer, the Mazer kid from Iowa that, that Robin Lund coached yeah. up. Or Jake Cal- or Jake Cronesworth too. He's also allegedly on a trading block. He is a Michigan native. He went to St. Clair High School near the Thumb, which is in East, the East China area. He went to the University of Michigan. And you know it, it would make sense but then again you know that would that would prevent would block somebody go ahead youper so we're past the meetings um pretty soon christmas will be knocking on our door and we'll be in january at that point because right now it's still technically kind of early in 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 the hot stove season right there's still plenty of time quote unquote to make a move but that time starts to tick once we get into January. And I just wonder, how long of a deal do you think Matt Chapman really will command? I mean, you think that's like a four- or five-year commitment? 
I'm think, not sure that happens. I, I think with the Candelario deal, I think that, that the best he can hope for is probably four with an th- option for five. Because mm-hmm. Candelario has basically been the same hitter over the last four years. They both have, I think, a 110 WRC+. plus. Mm-hmm. Chapman's a better defender, but I, I don't think that's going to buy him a lot more time because, uh, you know, generally defense doesn't get better with age. So right. I, I think you're right. I, I mean, I think you're, but I still do think he'll get a multi-year deal. I just don't think it's going to be like, you know, a six, seven year, you know, monster right. contract. No, and you you make a good point there, Uper. I mean, if it, based off his health and, and based off his age, but what I, what I see happening is there's going to be a team out there that is going to want possibly a name. And that's, that's what's going to happen. They're, they're just going to mm-hmm. fall in love with the name and, and possibly what he can do. But at the same time, I think if if he if he did it like an Andre Dawson kind of deal, where he signed like a a year, deal, like a one year deal to prove himself. I mean, remember yeah. that he yeah. he couldn't find and he signed with the Cubs and put out. I think he won the MVP of that year too. And I think it was eighty. I think he won the MVP. Eighty seven. Yeah, half a million bucks. Yeah, he bet on himself and he won. And keep in mind, That's he's what, coming. What, well, Chris? I'm sorry. I'm sure, I'm sure Chris Russo loved that MVP on the last place Cubs team. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, he was a hell of a player. Right? Yeah. yeah. That to me. Say that to anybody. Say that to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's he could bet on himself. Who knows? I I don't. The, this market's been interesting so far, and yeah. I, as much as I would love to get Alex Berman, um, here. Berman? Be, yeah. yeah, Berman, that'd be great. Houston's uh, GM came out and said they're not trading him. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you take GM for whatever they say for you know a grain of salt, but uh, I don't see why they would trade him. Yeah, I never, I never, I never saw the point of that. I didn't get that one. Yeah, yeah, I think with, yeah. I think what's going to happen, the we don't know how. I think I, I will say this, and if, if Mark Gurash, I know he's not a friend of some people around here and what have you, but he did say something that. I think it's very true. I think Harris is being ultra, ultra cautious when it comes to these things. I mean, I, I think that he hasn't made that quote unquote signature move yet, if you will. So he's a year in, but I, I think people that are, I don't think I'm, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think it takes, well, we'll see who does second year here, but the fact is he's done. Look, he's already improved the minor league. He's done a lot. He's done a lot that's not seen that we've seen behind the scenes that I give him a lot of props for. I mean, he's they're getting a new facility in Lakeland for the first time since the 70s. And they are getting again, I keep talking about this. I talked about this in my league podcast. The players are getting fed better. They have they have like they're getting into modern baseball. If there's one thing that Harris is doing, he's pushing and shoving his team into modern baseball. They've been so behind, and now it's the time with the money they have, and I agree with Tiger Town here. They need to spend a little bit and get that going, and they got Jason Benetti. They shot the moon with Jason Benetti. I know it sounds like, like okay, well, but how the hell? No one, nobody, nobody. I, I mean, absolutely nobody. Even people in, I don't know, say Erie, Pennsylvania, did not think that Jason Benetti would be a Tiger broadcaster. Nobody. No, maybe I, it turns Jason out he didn't want to move to Nashville. <laughs> the, the White yeah, Sox was going to Nashville. <laughs> it was an ugly rumor, that, or supposedly that Reinsdorf met with 
uh, some some people in Nashville. Yeah, I mean I, that's basically what we have. What we got out of the winter meetings is we got AJ Hinch's comments on the direction of the Tigers and Jason Benetti's comments on the direction of the Tigers, and and they were both very encouraging. And these are guys who are in the game, right? They're seeing, but he tried his best to say like, oh, I had to get the hell away from the White Sox. Like he's tried not to say that, but it came out anyway. Like, like you just tell like, oh yeah. All right. He was, he was, that was a bad place for him. So there, there are good signs that the organization is, is on the right track. And I just think, you know, I'm not a huge poker player. Right. Uh, But, but you, to, to kind of strain a metaphor here, like there, there are times to, go in and there are times to just check like and i don't know if it's like we want scott harris to do something big but you know you go chasing a pot and poker you lose all your money pretty quickly like things can go wrong very quickly speaking of the white Sox, and and you know look at the padres the padres uh and i i don't have any issues whatsoever with everything that they've done it's kind of a bummer that they traded away soto but uh you know they're, they're kind of the white Sox with money like <laughs> They, they they try they swing big and it hasn't worked at all. Like it, sometimes you just have bad luck, but you gotta try to do things that make sense and not just like the, the Padres. The one thing the Padres did that didn't make any sense to me was sign Xander Bogarts to a two hundred eighty million dollar deal. Like he's a very good player, but you didn't need him. Right. And, and because you signed him to that, I, I don't think you could. Uh, and they may not. You know, Soto probably wasn't going to negotiate no matter what. But I think they kind of hamstrung themselves and. So, and you don't want to give a GM or a president an excuse for sitting on his hands forever, but there, there really are times where you just like it should make it more sense to not go play the game, boy. You gotta learn to play it right. You got to know when to hold up, know when to fold up, know when to walk away, know when to run. Did you Couldn't hear that you, all, Chris? You you'd never heard that song no, before in your life. I, I heard it. Yeah, I mean, it was, but it came right over me as I was talking. So I was like, "What?" Well, oh no, 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 it, it, no, no. Wait, no. It, it, you stopped talking. It, it, you played it. No, in my headphones, it just drowned me out. I don't know how it sounds on the podcast. I couldn't. Oh no, no, no. You're, 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 you're done. You're, no, no. You're done. You're done talking though. Wasn't I was still talking, talking and it was playing in my headphone. <laughs> oh no no no! I'm sorry. No 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 no! I'm sorry. No, it's all good. I, I thought you were just like like you know, give me the the old uh, the crooked. Oh stick no no no! Stage. I was trying to I was trying to give you the props for because I thought you were. I was trying to play up to the fact that almost like you're leading to saying the lyrics. When he finished speaking, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So back the wind. No, that's it, my bad. Um, okay, my bad. My bad. No, it's all good. It, it, no, and 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 old BK made the point too, and I'm not, I'm not saying like Scott Harris should just not do anything forever, but like. Do you do you force a Tarek Skubal trade right now because you, just to make something happen? No, you, you would do it if it made sense. And so far, I just I don't know if there's been any big moves that make sense. I, I've you know talked before, like you know you said uh, Evan I think brought up the Reds as a possibility. I, I keep mentioning the Padres. Like there, are, I think there are moves out there that the Tigers could make that that might make sense for both teams. But I, I just don't know if. Uh, right now is the big time to make the 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 big free agent signings because it's just they're not really there, other than maybe Imanaga. Yeah, and that would make total sense. Imanaga would make sense. All, they all make sense. I mean, but it's what they want to afford. And, and you're right. Do they want to make the splash now versus maybe having a better free agent market, at least on paper, next year? Although we don't know who will make it to the market and who won't. Um, you know, you look at. This week, you know, they didn't take a player in the Rule 5 draft. 
And the thing that was telling to me, though why I still believe something significant will happen, I mean, they were at 38 on the uh, 40-man roster, right? They had two open spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, so either A, they didn't plan on taking anybody, or B, they maybe they had one or two guys they had some interest in and they were snapped up in the top 10 before they got to pick. Very possible either way. Um, but now they have two spots open on uh, on their 40-man roster. Uh, not that it's, be ever, it's never hard to add somebody to the 40-man roster. It's not a big deal. But now they have two glaring holes right there that they can fill. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how aggressive they are. I mean, um, Roger was the first person I've heard bring up Montgomery uh, to the to the Tigers. I mean, that would be amazing if they you know go that route. I, I would be very surprised because um, I, I just the way the way Harris said uh, they're not going to add to the core much. They're going to more so be complementary. Um, that does worry me a little bit on what they're going to do here to, to try to compete next year. Yeah. And I, I, I Chris, well, to your point there, if you're going to, if, if there's one thing that Harris has proven in the poker metaphor standpoint is he does have a poker face because no one saw the trade for Mark. Uh, can't can uh-huh. Yeah. They didn't saw that. No one saw that coming and talking to some of the beat writers that was, I mean, he hasn't given away anything. It's not like it was before where I, like, I remember, I'll never forget, I heard Al Avila explain the trade to somebody who was, like, sitting in the cafeteria at the, in the press box. Him the, the ex- Willie Castro trade? Yeah, the Willie Castro trade. Yeah, him explaining that. And it was just so bizarre because I'm sitting there eating my food, covering the game, and then he's sitting there explaining, justifying the reasons why. You're not going to see that. Um, Somebody brought up, Brian Goff mentioned... Yohan Makata, and we had a question the other night, but I think the thing about Makata is he, he struggles with the routine play defensively, and I, I think the White Sox are going to ask also for King's Ransom with that too, but if you're going to, as far as teams going to compete for the best rotation in the, NL Cent- in the AL Central, rather, Chicago slash Nashville, because I'm sorry, I think Chicago's going to Nashville the next couple of years. I'm, I'm just, it just seems that inedible i mean you're you're where you play at too is one of the worst neighborhoods in the country and i've never been there so yes it's it's a little it yeah you for what's you for i gotta okay i gotta ask you a question or anybody in the chat too what's worse the south side chicago or detroit well i'll be honest being i grew up 10 hours from detroit 10 and a half 11 hours from detroit I haven't been to Detroit, to be honest. People always say, you're a Tigers fan? Yeah, but I've never been to Detroit much, like three times. Uh, But the south side of Chicago, the one time, actually twice I went to the stadium there. Driving out of there, you don't want to stop. I mean, you keep going. And, you know, that sounds bad, but it's just the truth. Um, Yeah, if they, I I could see Nashville. I mean, Nashville is, is a crown jewel in this country. People love it there. I can see, you know, with the music industry and everything else, I can see them putting a nice little stadium either downtown or out by the Opryland. And, uh, yeah, where's uh, pretty amazing. Where, I, where the current Nashville uh, baseball stadium is? The, the one sounds, where, uh, sounds, yeah, yeah. yeah, sounds by way of Tiger affiliate for two seasons in the 80s. Oh, uh, yeah, fun fact. There you go. It's Nashville. So, yeah, my bloop. Um, there, there, the south side of Chicago, 
Yeah, there's no there's no sales tax in Tennessee. That's a good point to bring up too. No sales tax. I remember going to a game. I went to two games at uh, in a guaranteed rate field. The first game I went with a bunch of coworkers when I was at an internship at a engineering company. This is when I was in college, and you get off on the red line. You go out, you you go by Wrigley Field. You're going down the train. You you know, but you get on the red line. You're like. Wow, there's two cops sitting in there, and there's, there's a homeless guy, and um, there's a homeless guy just sitting there with his shorts all the way down, practically. So, and it's it reeked, it reeked so bad. The second time I was there, I was with my friends, and I wore a Tigers jersey. Didn't think anything of it. I'm walking up, and I have White Sox fans. Hey, mm-hmm. and they're just going off, and and like, don't you wear that gear on here? And like, just. And I was ready to say something. My buddy Ray goes, nope. Roger, shut up <laughs> now. I'm like, no, no, you're right. You're right. I didn't realize like the implications of it. But Brian says he has a story here about I left the game. I was walking to the subway from Kaminsky. A cop picked me up and my and my friend up and gave us a ride. He told us we we're crazy for walking to the subway. I can believe that. And Larry, you said Detroit. It depends on what part of Detroit, too. I, you know, I didn't really specify that part. If you're talking like Telegraph and like Six Mile, that's pretty bad. I mean, there's some parts of Detroit that are just as bad as the south side of Chicago. So it, dep- it really depends, Chris. I mean, you and I have talked I mean, about this before. Yeah, I think Detroit in the 80s was um, kind of a harrowing experience at times. Uh, the the Foxtown area where Comerica is and Fort Field is, and that put, that's just fine down there. It's, it's a sure, nice yeah. downtown area. Um, so, yeah, but like I said, I haven't been to a White Sox game. I'd like to go one of these days. Uh, I've been to Chicago several times, and you know, any large city is going to have some issues. But, uh, yeah, I mean, south side of Chicago is kind of famous for, for being dangerous. But then, I don't know, like East St. Louis was a place that people used to always talk about, and uh, you know, south central Los Angeles, and, and everything just kind of yeah. goes in cycles and then gets gentrified, and it becomes a new place. Like, you know, Harlem Brooklyn? used to be a terrible place. Yeah, Harlem Brooklyn. used to be a great place, and then became a bad place, and then it got gentrified, and it, it's yeah. just like, yeah. Yeah, Brooklyn now, people are priced out of Brooklyn now. And Mike Doyle says Charlotte, which would be ironic because that's the Chicago's AAA affiliate. So imagine them moving their AAA affiliate. (laughs) That was, that'd be, yeah. One of the best, uh, best kind of vistas in professional baseball. The view from the Charlotte Stadium out to downtown Charlotte is is really spectacular. It's it's up there with like Pittsburgh, in my opinion. Yeah. And also, I mean, people forget about Cleveland too. Cleveland is also. There's some parts of Cleveland that are also dicey, but there's also parts of That's Cleveland. That's everywhere you go. Like, yeah, no, yeah, you're right. I mean, there, every, there are a couple places here in Des Moines you don't want to go. You know, yeah. people don't think anything of Des Moines, but I'll tell you, there's a place downtown where my wife and I go all the time, but we never stay past nine o'clock because there seems like there's a shooting down there after midnight. Uh, this is just in the the bar district every Saturday night. So, <laughs> you know, um, you're not it's not no one's immune yeah uh, you, she, in another part too i forgot about this and somebody mentioned this near where the dodgers play isn't and i remember that when i went when i worked out there for work where i saw a bunch of dodger fans at the subway stop or because you can go underneath take a, the train underneath like literally just degrading a cardinals fan waiting to get to get the hell home so yeah I mean, yeah, oh. East Cleveland, as Brian mentioned, every big city has their batteries just don't go after 10 p.m. He's right. 
<laughs> I mean, we leave uh, we leave Mudhens games and go to a certain part of Toledo sometimes to get the the chili cheese burritos that my wife requires, and it's not the best part of town. Like you know, it's <laughs> and we've been into Erie. You know, there are parts yeah. of Erie that aren't you know any any city that has a, a sizable population. You know, it's just unfortunately the way it is. So I don't know, like. You know, but old, B, old BK here says about not a great stadium in Chicago. That's a fact. That's I mean, a forget fact. About, yeah, yeah. Forget about the uh, the neighborhood. Who cares? Uh, the stadium itself is just a very antiseptic. Yeah, I, I was just going to say it feels very like a uh, very concrete jungle like thing. It's not really there's yeah. not much soul to it, unfortunately, as they're trying to capture the, re, the, the soul yeah. of Comiskey Park. One that last thing like about. La oh, I'm sorry. That was like the last stadium built before. They started to really care about the aesthetics of the of the stadium, right? I think uh, Oriole Park at Camden Yards came next, and that was all of a sudden immediately thought of as a jewel. Um, but I think right before that, the new Comiskey was one that they just kind of threw up there with the same plans they built the Vet in Philadelphia or something. You know? One last thing before we move on to some other baseball stuff. Chris, remember in Erie when we got out of that bar and there was an adult store and that weird yeah. art gallery? It just seems so out of place, but then you go see the fountain by Erie. It's just, yeah. yeah. So to work as a, never had any problems except for a few stolen cars. Interesting. Yeah, I wonder yeah, if you I saw mean, that. Well, I wonder if you saw the episode of Buzzkill. Remember that? I've talked about that before, right, Chris? God, the old MTV show. Yeah, the old MTV show where they they show the skit. This is like a show that came out in the '90s, where they took a they so the the, the premise of the skit was you pay a dollar and you hit a bat on the car. Like you just destroy this car. And then one of the guys comes up and goes, what happened to my car? It was all rehearsed. Yeah. And ambulance yeah. comes out. It's, it's a fantastic skit. And it was right by, it was right by tires, the old tiger stadium. So oh. anyway, um, let's, let's move on. And in terms of what other else thing going on baseball wise to the Jerry, or we talked about the Colin, Jerry Kalanick trade. We did talk about that. I feel like we're missing something. Uh, well, oh, I mean, you go the, Wisconsin governor okayed a five hundred million dollar plan to upgrade the Brewer Stadium. Well, so speaking of stadiums, I always feel conf conflicted about that because it's always nonsense that the city and the taxpayers have to pay. pay but uh, I, I, I feel good that Milwaukee would then not be losing their baseball team. Um, and we didn't we didn't discuss the Soto trade very much. I mean, we we talked touched on it a couple times, and I you know it's funny I've seen some people talking about again the, how the Padres kind of blew it, but it wouldn't shock me if they end up okay out of this. You know, they gave up that big package of prospects. Uh, and C.J. Abrams had, had a solid year, kind of reminiscent of um, Bobby Witt's first year two years ago, where I think he stole, you know, almost 50 bases and hit like 18 home runs, but was still just kind of an average player overall. But the other players in that deal, you know, I, I'm a big fan of James Wood, but there's still a ton of risk there. You know, he's only a 20-year-old outfielder, but he's, what, six foot six, six foot seven. Mm -hmm. And wasn't he played very well this year, but wasn't you know dominant, and the strikeout rate got kind of high. And and Robert Hassel III, I think, is just a bust at this point. Uh, maybe it's too early to say that, but he hasn't done anything since coming to the Nationals. And who else did they get? Garland Susanna, um, who is who's, who throws very hard. He's an interesting pitcher, but hasn't been on a ball and walks everybody. So like, I mean, they gave up some talent there, and they only had Soto for a year and didn't win anything. That was you know that part sucks. But, uh, you know, that Thorpe kid they got from the Yankees uh, was arguably the best pitcher in all of minor league baseball last year. I think somebody, they were talking about he had, 
led the league, led led the minors in strikeouts, and had like a sixty five percent swing and miss rate on his uh, his changeup, or sixty five percent whiff rate. So, I think they did okay. You know, it's it's a bummer to lose Soto, but uh, if people kind of dunking on the Padres doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Oh, I think you know with the disappointments they've had, they probably needed to shake things up. And if they were, if they and they, they know, I mean, they they've been around him now for a year and a half. Uh, they, they probably knew they were they had no shot at retaining him, or very very limited. So why not make the move to get the best deal they could get? They got some useful parts. Um, they they've tried the star laden approach. Now you know maybe they're going to go a different direction. Yeah, and and it was something. One of the things we talked about in uh, in the Discord was, and I saw this on Twitter, and it, it did strike me as kind of funny, is that. Padres just had the most ridiculous bad luck year of all time. It really was. They they went like, was it like nine and thirty two in one run games or extra innings games? Because they, other than that, they actually had a lot of things go right. You know, Snell won the the Cy Young. We've discussed yeah. uh, the quality of that Cy Young before, but but then they also like Seth Lugo and Michael Waka were just kind of their versions of the Michael Lorenzen, right? And they ended up at like the ninety ninth percentile production that you could expect from a player like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they had a bunch of things go right. It just it the rest of the season didn't go right, and and uh, so yeah, I agree with you. But I think they needed to retool and and, and figure something out. Um, it does suck to to trade away a generational player. And from the Yankees' perspective, you know, good for them. They're getting an awesome hitter. I still like people are like, oh, who's going to beat the Yankees? It's like, well, okay, you've got two and a half pitchers. Like they yeah. they they still need some starting pitching help, and then they, they'll probably go out and get it. But you know, Garrett Cole's awesome. Carlos Rodon is very good when he's healthy he was not healthy last year he's been not healthy like five out of his seven years in the majors and then Nestor Cortez kind of came back to earth last year yeah and this was a guy who and Cortez who got a lot of swings and misses but it fell off the map a little bit with that right I mean he his secondary stuff kind of suffered last year well and he may have been injured too and and I don't know it's just uh I mean, the Yankees aren't done. I'm sure they're going to go out and try to get Yamamoto or Imanaga or, or Jordan Montgomery again. I, I don't know. Um, but I don't know. it was certainly an interesting trade, but I, I think uh, any wild overreactions there are a bit much. Oh, yeah. And Stan brings up uh, Frank, Frankie um... Montas. Yeah, Montas. Yeah, Montas. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a free agent. He is... Uh... He's kind of a risky free agent signing, right? I don't remember what did he have shoulder surgery? I'm not sure. Shoulder, um, yeah, I think it was shoulder surgery. I mean, that's always scary. That's that's uh, you know, Brandon Woodruff had the shoulder issue. Clayton Kershaw had the shoulder issue. Um, I don't know. It, it's that, that's a one year, really low base, all kinds of incentives loaded in there for him. Uh, if you, if you want to take a shot, yeah. right. That's what you do there. Yeah. And, and then, you know, he's a guy and, you know, we've brought it up before, but it's Tyler Maley, Tyler Molly, the former Reds, former twins pitcher who, who went out and had Tommy John surgery, right. And now it's now a free agent and might not pitch this year, but had he been healthy would probably have gotten a, a Rodriguez sized deal this year at Eduardo. Maybe I, who knows, you know, if he performed, but, that's a guy you can go out and get maybe to a, a, a two-year deal, like you said, where, you know, it's heavily incentive-laden. Um, but we haven't heard much about any of these injured guys, really. I, there was some some small talk about uh, Luis Severino, I thought, but I don't remember from whom or to where. I think he went to I think he went to the Mets. 
Did he go to the Mets? I believe he did. I'll double check that. Oh, but I believe let me let me double check that. But I believe he went to the Mets. That well, just sounds that sounds about right. From a Tigers perspective, the old do you think they go? I mean, you brought up Seth Lugo, right? And not a long track record, it's certainly coming off a nice year. Do you see the Tigers go for a guy like that versus a Montgomery? You know, that one, it depends to me on on whose stuff they view as better, right? Um, and, and Lugo has long been known for having this crazy spin, right? And, and he's figured some other things out. I don't know. Like, I never thought much of Jordan Montgomery, honestly, until this last year where it was like, wow, he's pitching really well and very consistently. And it's, um, again, that's not, that's neither of those guys are high ceiling players, but that's some better like presence. And His longer track record, I think, as a starter, right? Makes him a little more attractive to some people. Montgomery? Yeah. 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 I mean, Lugo has largely worked out of the bullpen, and that was kind of the, the revelation this year. I think he started some when he was younger with the Mets, but we see that all the time, right, where guys just figure out how to pitch later on. That's generally the case with these guys who come back from Japan and Korea. As they went over there and, and learned how to pitch. Um, so, I mean, I wouldn't be mad at a Montgomery signing, but, the, you know, it's uh, the devil's in the details, as usual. Yeah, it's going to be I, – I think what's going to happen here in the next couple of weeks, once the – like I said, I, I, I predict – I think within the next week or two, the Tigers, once all, all the dominoes start falling, as Don said earlier, I think we'll, we'll start seeing some activity. As far as what Detroit does after that, I mean, in terms of getting a bat or a third baseman, I, I – yeah, Doyle. I just don't – Mike Doyle. There you go. Jackson Holiday. Jackson, Jackson Holiday. That's yeah. true. Did you see? Uh, did you see the videos going around of of Matt Holiday, Jackson Holiday, and his younger brother Ethan hitting yeah. home runs? All Ethan's going to be the number one pick probably next year in in twenty twenty five. Wow. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty fun. So if you know, Tigers want to tank some more, or win the lottery. Well, yeah. Um, Targ Scooble and what for Jackson Holiday? What you what? What do you got? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, put if, if, you're, if you have Jackson. Somebody did that on Twitter the other day. Just put that out there for fun, right? My answer to that was straight up. If that was a straight up deal, the Tigers should do that in a heartbeat. I, mean, I would quite... think so too. That, that I, I don't think the Orioles would do that when you've no, got a, a, a kid who what he just turned twenty and made it up to Triple A and hits like crazy. Probably going to stick at shortstop. Might have to move to third, but yeah, I mean he's he's top five prospect in baseball. But he's... I mean one of the things people say is is and we were talking you know. The sound shop studio there. Oh, there's Max Clark. Um, so we don't want to block any young prospects equals. We're just going to play the AAA team in the big leagues. I, I'll just argue that there's a little bit different. Like last year, the guys that they were giving playing time to were Nick Maton and, and Matt Dreerling, right? And those were never highly touted prospects. They they were mid-20s guys who had some skills, and, and they thought maybe they could get something out of them. Cole Keith is a top 25 prospect in baseball. Uh, you know, they, they don't always work out, but I think you make room for a guy like that unless you're the Orioles, right? And you have a top 25 guy uh, replaced by a top 10 guy or something. Well, there's something to be said if they start the year, if they, if they bring in no major veteran bats, okay. And and they, and they plug in Malloy and they plug in Keith and they intend to have young there by 4th of July, right? There's something to be said starting those young guys and letting them play. And see how the young guys progress through the year, 
And do are they ready in the second half to help the team make a push if the division's down? It makes me think of the Green Bay Packers and the youngest oh. roster in the NFL <laughs> and how they started two and five with all of those young players. And they've started to kind of, you know, they've won four of their last five. They're looking strong. Those young players it, have kind of coalesced and, and they're moving forward. Maybe the Tigers just, can emulate that. I'm just happy that the Packers finally got lucky with a quarterback. They've had such a hard time finding a quarterback over the last three, years. three, yeah. three. Uh, and the Lions have to develop one in 50 effing years. Get out of uh, here, man. Yeah. Okay. We got to get off football. I just, yeah. I couldn't. Uh, yeah, that was. But that was, is uh, a, legitimately, though, that is the way the Tigers could go, right? Because they're not going to make the big move. There's no massive free agent talent out there. We, we debate Matt Chapman, and we know that that's a limited thing. I mean, he's not a, <laughs> he's probably not going to turn the whole thing around, right? So. Yeah. Just plugging those young guys in and, and letting them play, but having the patience to live with their mistakes, yeah. right? Having the patience to live with a two for 28, okay? Uh, will they have that? I hope Scott Harris is that kind of guy who who can, uh, and Hinch, that obviously, that they can massage their way through that uh, without, you know, pulling guys in and out all the time. I, I will say this. I mean, we saw that with Parker Meadows. Parker Meadows struggled. And they hung with him, and he, up, and he ended the season yeah, well. It, so it, it happens. Yeah, and, and and you know, with apologies to guys like Ryan Kreider and Andre Lipsius, right? Like they're not leaving room for the them. Those are guys that are, they're quality baseball players. They might help you as in a bench role, utility role. The the ceiling on Malloy and Keith uh, is much you know considerably higher, and I think you give those guys opportunities. Uh, that doesn't mean you can't go out and sign somebody, but when the options aren't there, like I said, like who's who's the big free agent second baseman that you want to go sign? Crickets. I don't, yeah. Is is Guriel? Does he still play second base? Is he an outfielder now mostly? And, and even Sten still like? I'm surprised by the way he hasn't been signed either. It's uh, I was actually and, kind of surprised. And you know we bring up uh, Andy Abanez, right? If he has a year like he had, like he just had, the the guys that can bring in are going to be what? a tick better, you know, a 5% yep. increase better, you know, uh, not a game changing thing. Yeah. No, I think, I don't know. I think it's more important for the, the organization's future in the next two, three seasons to see what these young guys can, can do if they have a chance, if you think that they can make it as big leaguers than to sign another middling, you know, as you said, like somebody mentioned Whit Merrifield. I think Whit Merrifield is basically Zach McKinstry at this point. Um, my history, you know, cooled off considerably and Maryfield has had some ups and downs, but I, I just, that, that's just kind of the, the point. It's like, there's nobody out there who's just an obvious upgrade. You're not going to go out and, and sign an Ozzy Albies or something like that, or a Jose Ramirez. Uh, so stick with your young guys because it's important to know if they can play and, and Colt Keith is, is largely ready when I mean, you have the, the quibbles about his defense and they may always be there, but kid hit. 290 with power in triple a as a 21 year old after hitting 300 plus with power in double a yeah it, yeah that, that's you want to see what he can do in the big leagues i think yeah i mean at this point you might as well i mean with Ke- I, I think keith is a viable option and if they're willing to be patient i think they will i mean if it's i think Keith's ready i don't think young's ready because i still think he needs time and if he's going to play third 
he's going to need all the time in the world because that's just not an easy thing to do. The question is, what do you do with Justin Henry Malloy? Because if he's not adequate outfielder, I mean, what is he, a first baseman then? But you got Spencer Turkelson. There's just a lot more. It's a lot more. It's more intricate than what you believe think it is. And so I, I think they're going to look eternal too, perhaps with Montero maybe going out of the bullpen to start the year. He's on the 40-man roster. But we'll see. I, I think that's just a – he's really the next couple of weeks. Merrifield – I think it's a better version of McKinstry, but as far as as far as that goes, my pill. Somebody's asking us about our opinion, opinion of Chris Illich. Well, let me talk. I about mean, it. yeah, I think it's <laughs> it's a beautiful not much. This, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, he's got a lot to prove. Some players, yeah, yeah, I, got- I agree with that. That they're still running a bottom ten, possibly bottom five payroll in baseball, right? Um, they did spend some money a couple of years ago, but I don't know. I yeah, we, we need to see I a lot more. Here, right? He was quoted in the free press saying he has the fire in the belly to compete. Okay. That's a big statement. And he's never really proven as anything more than Taco Bell. Okay. That's where that fire in the belly came from. Or Taco but, John in your case. Okay. Yeah, there you go. So they've made a few signings that, you know, middling signings, but they haven't blown the doors off for the big investment. Um, they've kind of used Cabrera as kind of a, a, a tax on what they're doing. Uh, that's eliminated now. Now this year they want to say, well, the market's not great. There's nobody to invest in. Although Yamamoto, they certainly could try, um, but they're not, I don't think. Imanaga would be a good step. But next year, if the premium players are out there and the Tigers aren't in the mix aggressively, that will say a lot about Chris Illich and what he wants to do. Now, Chris Rogers, right? They're investing in some of the infrastructure that comes, you know, out of someone's pocket. And that's a good thing. But in terms of it's about what you do on the field and you got to win. And this club has not won in the Chris Illich years. So he's got to put that stamp on the organization. If he, if he intends to do it uh, fairly soon. I will say that it- if you're seeing, here's the thing too. And before we get out of here, look what the Cincinnati Reds are doing. The Reds are making moves, and they're a, a smaller media market than Detroit is. Mm-hmm. So you can't tell me it's, Cleveland's not going to spend money because that's not what they do. They don't do it. They got the first pick. They're happy. But Cincinnati, I mean, this is. I'm, I was surprised they are spending money because their owners said a lot of really weird things. But they have a young core. And they are really supplementing that. They're getting supplemental players for this core that they have. So if Cincinnati can do it, there's no excuse why Detroit can't do it. It's plain and simple. Yeah. Well, and and a lot of what Cincinnati did last year was driven by their exciting young rookies who, who across the board played pretty well, uh, which is unusual. And I wouldn't expect that in, in, you know, from the Tigers rookies, but, but they really brought up a ton of talent last year. And, and when you do that and the guys come up and play well and look like they can be big leaguers, that changes the outlook of your franchise a lot. Because then suddenly you're like, okay, the window is open right now. We've got six years, uh, you know, and and so let's spend some money now. Let these guys grow into their positions and, and see what we can do. So, yeah, I don't know. If Keith comes up and Malloy comes up and they both look like viable offensive players, they could link them the lineup and suddenly, suddenly Javi Baez is hitting eighth and Parker Meadows is hitting ninth. Or you know seven eight nine with Meadows, Baez, and, and Rogers, 
you, you got something there. So, yeah, I, I don't know. But but again, I, I think you need to see a little bit of that before you go and spend spend some some money on supplemental pieces because they're not supplementing a whole lot right now. Yeah, and exactly. It's somebody, by the way, mentioned Trevor Bauer in Detroit. Hard pass. I, I there's much better options out there. I mean, they could go with sort of Gibson Long eternally. I'd be fine with that. Yeah, I, the talent may still be there, but but it's not worth the headache, no matter what. Um, yeah. and, and you know, you don't want you don't really want that guy in your locker room a lot. I don't think. Um, you know, I think Mookie Betts has has said some nice things about him before, but generally speaking, you don't hear a lot of good you know commentary from him uh, on him from other players and. Yeah, it would just be an ugly look. We went through that with uh, I've gone forgotten the, the the catcher, the random catcher they brought in a few years back. Oh, um, suspended the year before for domestic violence issue, and it was just Wilson like Ramos? no, 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 it no. Was, it was he was he didn't even right. make it. He didn't make the club. He was he came in for spring training, and then they cut him. Derek Norris. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. And look, it, like I said, if if it, if they get a bat. I do like the idea of them getting a, a veteran bat. I, again, it, it, there's no – the Reds are able to do this. Let's see what the Tigers can do. Even Pittsburgh is making some moves too, I mean, for whatever that's worth. And so – Do we think Canna is a DH? I think he uh, – from what Hinch said at the press conference, I believe he's going to see some time at DH and first base. So he's going to release Torkelson because Torkelson played over 130 games, I believe, at first base last year. So – um, yeah. a totally possibility. I'm, I, I'm expecting him to to see the majority of his time in, in left field, maybe right field, um, and then then some DH in first base. I, so I don't do think, think third base a zero, is a zero percent chance JD Martinez could be a Tiger. No, I, I don't think it's a zero percent chance. I, I think uh, you'd have to you'd have to make some moves there. But yeah, if you want to bring JD and have him be your your permanent DH. And you got you just got you got an outfield of uh, I don't Canna, Green, and and uh, Meadows, Meadows Carpenter. I don't know. I mean, what Carpenter plays? Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know, but I just wonder because JD. I mean, I watched him a lot last year, and there's still 25 homers in in that bat. I mean, the guy's still swinging a good bat. Uh, would he come back to Detroit? It was a question. I don't know. But it might not be a fit now. It's hard to say. You know, it's funny. I just mentioned Sawyer Gibson Long, and he was at a Red Wings game. Oh, is that his fault that they – I don't know if you saw this. Uh, I was following along on the Discord. There was a six-goal flurry, six goals scored by between the two teams in three minutes and one second. Jeez. It was Damn. the second-fastest six-goal uh, ever. The Red Wings were up 4 nothing and lost 6-5 in overtime to, I believe, the worst team in the NHL. Yeah. So – yeah. But at one point, by the I, way, the, the shark, Chris Illich property. Chris, <laughs> here's an interesting stat about the Sharks, by the way. At one point, their goal differential was worse than their expansion year mm. in 1991. Yeah, that was that was big. Yeah. I remember that they were in the first edition of the EA NHL hockey game. That was that was huge to be able to play with them before they had actually played a game. I think. Yeah. And uh, that was my first starter jacket. It was a San Jose Sharks jacket. Jacket. It's still one of my favorite logos, and I need to get some gear for that. But at any rate, I would love to see what the Tigers will. Like I said, we'll keep you posted if anything happens. Next couple days or so, 
Uh, we're going to have Chris McCoskey on tomorrow. It's not going to be live. It's going to be pre-recorded. So, but we'll be dropping that around 3 p.m. ish or so, 4 p.m. on the channel. So, uh, Chris will be, thank uh, again. Thank you for McCoskey. And he, who knows if he says, "Hey, I can't because something's breaking," then you'll know. But we're going to be talking to him. We're going to be recording it around two o'clock, and they'll be dropping it here, and we'll get his thoughts about the winter meetings. We'll get his earliest baseball memory because that's I'm, I'd be interested to hear McCoskey's earliest baseball memory and I got to know him a little more this year and he's been nothing but a great just mentor kind of person so and, and by the way it also completes the trilogy of having every beat writer from every we have MM Live, we've had Freep well wait, we had well, wait, have we had Freep? No no the, um, let's see we had somebody from the Freep but in the, like before we did visual podcast, I don't know if we had we didn't have Fennecon, did we? We may have had Fennecon on, on no on a, on a no. round table. Yeah, yes, we did. You know what? No, no, no. We, wait, do we have Fennecon? I thought we did in what, the round table we did at Cave, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, no, no, you're right. Okay, we did have Fennecon. We did have him on for a minute. Like, okay, so yeah, no, you're right. We did have, but yeah, that, that's that's right. If you go, if for anybody out there that remembers us from 2016 or 2015, before we started doing video podcasts, like Youper, Youper's original OG, then uh, let us let us know. But um, again, thank you so much for thank you for checking us out. We appreciate it, and we'll be back next week. And if the Tigers again, if the hopefully there's some sort of activity, we hope, and it will probably be the last show before the holidays. And then we'll be back in the new year. So, again, I just think it's just going to be that uh, we'll keep an eye on everything, of course. And please check out all the shows on the Believe Network. And this whole show has been brought to you, well, partially brought to you by Bet Online. Use the promo code Believe, B L E A V, for your 50% off. So, until next week or until the, ne- until the Tigers make a move, have a good night, everybody, and enjoy your weekend. <laughs>